I met Bob in Guyana, South America. Um, we were there on a mission trip. We had taken a uh, group of teens and adults to do a medical mission there. And we, uh, Bob was the right-hand man of the missionary that, that we were working with. He was our driver. He was our guide. He was our host. He was the guy that got you anything you needed. And if you forgot your toothbrush, Bob would go get you one, make sure that you were taken care of. Whatever it was that you needed, that was Bob's uh, task. And Bob also was in charge of the intake and security portion of uh, the, the medical mission. When you're in a country who, who is, uh, has a great population where medical care is deprived, uh, it can be a mad stampede. And so you have to set up some structure and have some security. And so Bob was in charge of that. And because of all these things, Bob and I spent a great deal of time together. And, you know, if you know me, I can't sit with you without talking. And so Bob and I would strike up a conversation. And I, I asked him one day, how did you come to be doing this? Did you grow up here? Is that how, how did you get connected with this? He said, well, it's a long story. And we had a lot of time. I said, go ahead. You know, I, I want to hear about this. And Bob, who spoke with a lilting, uh, that, that lilting Caribbean accent, um, I'm not going to attempt it because I'll butcher it, but as he spoke with that, he, he, he shocked me because he said, I grew up in Carrollton. And, and I'm like, is that, a, is that a city in Guyana? And he goes, no, that's a suburb of Dallas. And I went, Really? How, how did you end up here? And he proceeded to tell me his story. Bob grew up outside of Dallas, and he uh, had a normal childhood. His parents worked in the city. He uh, uh, remembers growing up, playing. He had aunts and uncles and cousins, and, and just a pretty typical childhood. He grew up, uh, he got a job, went to work, um, got married, had a wife, had some kids, uh, advanced in his job, um, got a divorce, ended up seeing his kids on weekends. Um, I mean, but a, a fairly typical story for a man Bob's age until he was about 51, and one day his life would forever change. He was driving, and he was pulled over for speeding. No big deal. It happens to everybody. Well, maybe it doesn't happen to you. It happens to me. Um, and, and that's okay. That's, I mean, you know, I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. It's not a big deal. And Bob says it wasn't a big deal. He was pulled over. And um, the officer, as, as he was talking to him, said that his name had been flagged and that Bob was going to have to be detained. Now, this shocked him because... He was only speeding. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was happening. He, had, uh, he, had, he, he, he didn't have any reason to be detained. He didn't have any warrants. He hadn't, didn't have any criminal history. He hadn't done anything. He was smart enough to know the officer was just doing his job. He wasn't trying to, to, to argue or, or resist. He went with him. And long story short, Bob found out that for 50 years, the only home he had ever known was deporting him. Because Bob was not really a citizen of the United States. He had grown up, his mother had told him that his birth certificate had burned up. 
he still had all the things of a, a, of a citizen. He had a driver's license. He had a Social Security card. Um, it, it, back then, it was things weren't digitized, and uh, you know he just got those. They just happened, and, and so here he was, and and uh, he thought he was a citizen. He's fifty-one years old, had spent fifty years of his life in the United States, in Texas specifically, and he was being deported. They held him in a in a deportation facility for some time. And, and finally, uh, they had to, well, they struggled because they had to figure out what to do with him. Because he wasn't a citizen of the United States, he, they, they finally figured out that they could send him to Trinidad. Trinidad was uh, where his father was from. And so they put him on a plane, they deported him, he went to Trinidad. Trinidad put him in another deportation holding facility because he wasn't a citizen of Trinidad. Bob had not been born in Trinidad. Even though his father was there, he was not a citizen of Trinidad. So he sat in another holding facility for a time while they tried to figure out what to do with him. Finally, they figured out that Bob had been born in Guyana when his father was working there. And so they sent him to Guyana, and he walked out of the airport, he says lost and alone he didn't have any money he didn't have any contacts he was in a place he had never been in his memory can you imagine that a man without a country lost no resources no contacts nothing just here as he winds up chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul's going to talk a little bit about citizenship. But first, he, he, he's going to give them a word of warning. He just got through admonishing them to, to join with him in imitating Christ. But before he can talk about citizenship, he's going to give them a warning. Chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Let's stop right there. It hurts Paul to even talk about this. He says, I've told you about this before, and I'm telling you now even with tears because it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to tell you that there are people... That, that that is how a heart that's imitating Christ responds to people who are in that situation with, with brokenness, with hurt. It's, it's too many times churches today are, are responding with anger or, or superiority or, or worse, apathy. When, when there are people who are living as enemies of the cross of Christ. We get more wound up about when we can come back to the church building than we do the fact that there are people dying without Jesus in their lives. And that's sad. But follow here. He's not talking about them out there. He's talking about... He's not talking about sinners. He's not talking about people... He's talking about people professing to be Christians who live in such a way that they are setting themselves up against the cross of Christ. Now, I want to know what that is because I don't want to live there. 
I don't want to ever be in that situation. Who are these people? Paul says their end is destruction. They are walking a road that's going to lead to destruction. Even though they profess their salvation, even though they profess to know Jesus, they are on a path that ends in destruction. He says their God is their belly. Now this is not just about food. He's talking about desires. These people worship their desires. They live for their desires, for their wants, for their needs. They glory in their shame. The things that they should be ashamed of are the things that they're most proud of. And their minds are set on earthly things. These people are more concerned about the things of this world than about living in a way that knows and glorifies Jesus. Now, I can't think of anything scarier than being called an enemy of the cross of Christ. And so I, I want to delve into that. I want to look at that a little bit because I want to make sure that I understand what's going on here. There's a few things I want us to point out. First of all, like I said, this is not talking about the sinner, the atheist, the unbeliever, those who live in such a way that they actually don't know Christ. This is talking about people who are professing to be in Christ, who are living in a way that sets themselves up as enemies. Here's what we need to hear today. If the earthly things, the things that we're more concerned about, our money, our career, our pride, our reputation, our desires, our needs, our wants, our, our politics, our personal preferences, if any of that becomes more important than this selfless mind of Christ that Paul is talking about in chapter 2, we are walking on a path that's going to end in destruction. Now, you won't hear a lot of these sermons because this is not popular to preach on. And it's not fun. But it's the gospel, it's the word of God, and that's what he says. We have, when we live in such a way that we devote ourselves, that we worship, that we glorify these earthly things, we have made our God our belly, and we are on a path that leads to destruction. Now, second, this is also people who are preaching a message of Jesus and. Remember a couple of weeks ago I told you, be wary of anybody who preaches Jesus and. If it's, you can, you can be saved if you have Jesus and fill in the blank. There's no and. There's no nothing else. If anybody's preaching to you Jesus and, you need to, that needs to set off some red flags and, and flashers in your mind. Because when we teach that there is anything other than Christ, when we teach that there is anything other than the cross of Christ that brings salvation, we have diminished the value of the cross. If, if, if I could save myself by being better, by living morally, by coming to church more, by doing the right things and checking the check boxes, then Jesus didn't die because I was helpless and lost. Jesus died because I was lazy. And that's not good news. That's a tragedy. And so when I live in such a way, when I teach in such a way that, that there, is, there is things you've got to do that you've got to check off other than Jesus, other than the cross of Christ, I diminish the value of the cross of Christ and I live in such a way that I am an enemy. The other thing I want us to see is there are those who will say, well, I can't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. You know what? You're right. Absolutely. Always has been. Go back through the Bible. It, it's right here in Philippi. There's hypocrites right here. There's hypocrites in Corinth. 
There's hypocrites all through Acts. There's hypocrites all the way back into the Old Covenant in Israel. There's going to be hypocrites. But you know what? Just because somebody makes counterfeit dollar bills doesn't mean you stop spending money. Because things that are duplicated, things that are fabricated, things that are faked, are faked because they're valuable. And just because somebody fakes a commitment to the cross of Christ does not in any way diminish the value of the cross. Last time we were in the Bahamas, there was an election going on. And it's funny because you would think it would be different, but it's exactly the same as here. Signs everywhere, posters, banners, vote for this guy because he's better than this guy, vote for this thing. And, and you know who I voted for? You want me to tell you? I'll tell you who I voted for. I voted for nobody because I'm not a citizen of the Bahamas. I didn't get involved in all that because it wasn't my business. didn't affect me. That's what Paul's talking about. We get bogged down in the affairs of this earth, but we're not citizens here. We're visitors. We're passing through. Paul says we don't set our minds on earthly things. Why? Because we are not citizens. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. To be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So that means we just sit around and wait, right? We just come together and we sit in the building and we sing, When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And we just have a good time and we're done. No, that's not what that means. It means we focus not on the things of this world, but on the coming of the Savior. That, that, that our Savior is coming back and we should live in such a way as to be ready for His return. Let me be blunt. That means that the church is not here to keep you comfortable until you die. That means the church is here to proclaim the cross of Christ to a lost and dying world. The church has a mission to make disciples. We don't exist to make good people better. We don't exist to make moral people act more moral. We don't exist to protect the good people from the big bad world. We exist to prepare a lost and dying world for the coming of a Savior. Now, too many churches forget that. We get, we get bogged down in earthly things. We get bogged down in budgets and denominationalism and sexual orientation and gender roles and worship styles, and you name it. We get bogged down in all kinds of stuff. But we need to be about the business of preparing for the coming of a Savior. People will say to me, my church hasn't changed in 100 years. It's the same as it's always been. We still do things exactly the same as my great-grandpa did. And I'm sorry, but that sounds a lot like the parable of the talents. Hey, here you are, Master. I took your talent that you gave me and I buried it. And it's exactly the same as you gave it to me. What did he say to him? You wicked and slothful servant, enemy of the cross of Christ. It's not a place I want to be. And I'm going to commit to you, as long as I'm on duty, this is not a place Huntsville Church Christ is going to be. We're not going to be a church that just sits around waiting for everything to be over. 
Because our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not here. Our salvation comes from Jesus Christ, not from anything that I do or, or, or that happens in, in, in regard to that. Our minds are set on things above, and, and on that we will stand firm. Now, there weren't chapter breaks in the original letter. That, that chapter 4 break right here, that wasn't really there. We inserted that later. And if you follow through on the thoughts, 4-1 is a part of this previous thought. It's not a new, a new thought. So when he says, therefore, anytime you see therefore in Scripture, it's talking about everything that's come before it. So this is, this is a wrap-up of all that's gone on before. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for. Remember? At the beginning of the letter... He longs for them. He longs to be with them. Therefore, my brothers. And, and brothers is like saying you guys. You know how we say you guys now and we mean both genders? That's what he's saying. Don't, don't get hung up on that. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, my joy, the ones that he takes delight in, just like he has all through this letter, he, they are his joy. My crown, that's the prize. Remember just before this, in chapter 3, he was talking about, I, I run the race to grab the prize. Remember that? They are the prize. He, he's not talking about a trophy or a medal, a crown. He's talking about a garland. Paul says this race that he's running, the prize that he's striving for, is their souls, is them. That's the crown. My joy and crown stand firm. This is going back to verse 27, chapter 1. Remember at the beginning when he began by telling them to live worthy of the gospel so that he might hear that they are what? Standing firm. He says, my joy and my crown, whom I love and long for, stand firm. Live as citizens of heaven, not as enemies of the cross of Christ. With your mind set on earthly things, you stand firm. When, when the, the earthly things overwhelm you and it looks like the whole world's going crazy, sound familiar? You stand firm on what doesn't change. I had somebody a long time ago said, you know, I, I don't trust faith, I trust science. And I wanted to find them. I couldn't because I thought it was kind of inappropriate. But I wanted to say, really, because faith doesn't change. In the last four months, science changes every day. Right? What was not a symptom is now a symptom. And what wasn't a, what was a symptom, and I think having no symptoms is a symptom. And it's, it's, it's changing all the time. But meanwhile, we stand firm on that that doesn't change. That's what Paul says. You stand firm, rooted in grace, in the shadow of the cross, the glory and crown of those who called you. Bob told me that whole story about his citizenship. And how he wound up in Guyana, a man without a country. And then he started to tear up. And he said, Steve, that's the, the missionary that we were working with, found me. He gave me a place. He gave me a job, and ultimately he helped me find the Lord. And now, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. The man who had been without a, without a country, a citizen of nowhere, nobody wanted him, nobody kept him, nobody could, could, could find out what to do with him, said, the king has adopted me, and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. 
That's the call for you this morning. You don't have to live as an enemy of the cross. You don't have to live in such a way that you're in exile without a country. You don't have to live apart from God. You are invited to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. A kingdom that you can stand firm on. That will never pass away. That's never going to change. It's it's all about how you respond. And, and how you respond doesn't save you. I'm not saying you do this and God's gonna, then God's going to owe you something. God is not manipulated. God saved you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your acceptance of that gift is what happens now. Do you accept that gift? Do you say, yes, I want to stand firm as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I want to accept the adoption that I'm offered and live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Do I want to live as beloved, the the joy, the glory, the crown? If you want to live that way, you have to respond to the gospel. Not because that's going to save you, but because... You have to accept the gift that's offered to you. And that's why we do this right here. We're going to sing a song, and during that song, we are asking you to stand. We're asking you to come forward if you need help, if you need prayers, if you need somebody to to talk to you, if you need somebody to lift you up and, and go to God with you, or if you need to accept the gift of the cross of Christ and become a Christian, this is the time to do that. If you're watching out there and you want to do that, hey, you call the church office because this thing's open anytime. And I don't care about coronaviruses or, or, or masks or any of that stuff. We will baptize you. We will help you find your citizenship in heaven anytime. And so don't feel like, well, I'm not there, so I can't respond. You can respond anytime. You can respond right now by sending a message on Facebook, whatever it is you're watching. You can respond and live as a citizen of heaven. Accept that invitation this morning. Come right now while together we stand and sing. We're part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family whose love knows no end. For Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of.